welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. All right, we're going to jump into today's message together. Uh, you, you may be new here. You may be new to church. Uh, maybe you don't know a lot about church or Jesus or what's happening. But let me tell you, today is what we call Palm Sunday. Okay, and so, you know, if you were at prayer, if you were during worship, or if you heard Chad praying when he took over, and there was talk about donkeys and, and Hosanna, and you're like, why are these people talking about donkeys all, like, what is the deal with today and donkeys? Why do people keep talking about donkeys today? Did anybody have this thought? Did, Maddie, did you have this thought? Like, what, why is, why is Jen talking, yeah, like, I mean, a donkey isn't a normal thing you really talk about during worship, is it? I mean, it's, it's fair. So we're going to talk about why Jen was talking about donkeys, why Chad was talking about laying down coats and cloaks, and why Jesus, I mean, Jesus does deserve a red carpet, but maybe you don't know what we're talking about. So today is what we call Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit about that so we all know what's happening. Now, next Sunday is what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus rose from the tomb, and um, Friday is where we celebrate Good Friday. And so this is the week where Jesus... Began, yeah, it's called Holy Week, and it's the week where Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, his final week before he laid his life down willingly on the cross. And so Palm Sunday is what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a few scriptures together, and I've got three things that I want to share with you that I want to show you that the Lord showed to me out of Jesus making his way into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, which is why Pastor Jen was talking about a donkey during worship. And we're going to look at this together. Uh, Open your Bibles with me. I hope you have a Bible of some kind today. Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, if you have something that you can follow along with, could you put it in the air so I can see? And then we're just going to pray for everybody else who doesn't. The Lord reveals to them. Mike's pointing to his head because he has the entire Bible memorized. So Michael will be standing and reciting for us from the, from the book of John. <laughs> Open with me to book of John. And uh, this is where we're going to start at. And I just want to set some backdrop for you about what's happening, what's taking place. Uh, John chapter 11 is where we're going to head first. Uh, the first, first big chunk of John chapter 11, Mike could tell us all this because he knows, but the first big chunk of John chapter 11 is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Do you know this story? It's an amazing story. It's a wonderful account of the work and the power of Jesus and what God can do, um, even after somebody's been dead for five minutes. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days, and Jesus shows up takes his time getting there, which I love, takes his time getting there. When, when Lazarus has been in the ground, buried up, wrapped up in grave clothes, Jesus shows up and calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come on out of there. Lazarus, get up out of that grave and come out and come see me. And Lazarus gets up, and in John chapter 11, in verse 45, it says, many of the people who were with Mary, Mary is the sister of Lazarus, uh, Mary and Martha, um, believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together, and they said, what are we going to do? This man certainly performs many miraculous signs, but if we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. 
Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Verse 49 says, Caiaphas, who was a high priest at that time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He didn't say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. How, how great is that? That Jesus would die for all of humanity. Amen? Are you thankful for that this morning? Are you thankful that Jesus paid the price that you could never pay when he willingly walked to that cross, carrying it on his back, laying down his life so that you could have freedom, healing, health, and wholeness, and all those things that you have because of, I mean, I tell you what, I am thankful for that because without the work of Jesus on the cross, I would be a big, fat mess. Amen? All right. So he says, it's better that if Jesus dies and for the whole nation to be destroyed. Um, verse 52 says, um, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. And as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. And he went to a place near the wilderness. He went to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples now we're going to look here in verse so they're plotting to kill jesus go with me to chapter 12 and in verse number nine um jesus has gone back and he's at mary and martha's house again and he's having dinner with lazarus and mary and martha and the bible says in verse nine when all the people heard of jesus arrived now this we're reading this because it's important we're putting together a backstory so you know what's going on before we go look in Matthew chapter 21, all right? So it says in verse 9, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, so he's come back, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them, the, the Jewish faith, and had turned to Jesus and recognized Jesus as a Messiah. They had left, and they said, and they believed in Jesus. So they said, now we're going to kill Jesus, and we want to kill Lazarus too. Which is a funny sentence to me. Like, Lazarus was just raised from the dead, and now they want to kill this guy again. Which is an interesting thought. Like, how would you even go about, like, I'm just, I'm just spitballing right now. This random thought just came to me. But how would you think about killing a man that was just raised from the dead? Wouldn't you be like, how can we kill this guy? He was just dead. Now he miraculously is alive again. What are we going to do to kill this guy? Because normal stuff I don't think will work. That's just how my brain would work. Anyways. Anyways. We see here that the leaders have decided that Jesus is a problem. And they decided we got to get rid of Jesus. Now we got to get rid of Lazarus too. Jesus has made his way back and he's coming into Jerusalem, getting ready to lay his life down on the cross. Okay, are we all together on the same page? All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 21 together. And we're going to pick this up. And um, in many of your Bibles, this will be called the triumphant entry where Jesus is making his way in, he's riding a donkey, people are waving things, waving palm trees, and they're laying their cloaks on the ground. So all the things that we've talked about that you've heard mention of this morning already is where this comes from right here in this passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 1 is where we're going to pick up. And I've got, I have three seemingly disjointed things that the Lord showed me out of this passage of Scripture that I want to show you today. But 
at the end of these passages of Scripture, we're going to see how they all fit together, okay? So just hang on. Give me some time to get to the end. But I believe in the meantime that there are some things that the Spirit of God is wanting to say specifically to some people in here that need to hear them today, okay? We okay? We okay with that? Great, because even if you're not, we're still doing it. It was a trick question. Uh, verse 20, or chapter 21, verse 1 says this. Uh, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them, his disciples, on ahead. And he said in verse 2, Go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say this, The Lord needs them. The New King James says, The Lord has need of it. And he will immediately let you take them. Uh, If you read in Mark's account of this passage of scripture, you will see that then the disciples go in and they go to the city and they find the donkey and the colt tied up there. And somebody does in fact say, hey, what are you doing? And the disciples just simply say what Jesus told them to say, "Uh, the Lord has need of it. And then they take this colt and they go back to Jesus. If we're being honest, this, this phrase, the Lord has need of it, used to be, or it probably still is, one of my favorite Bible jokes. It's just a great Bible joke. Because you see anything, you're like, oh, let's just go say the Lord has need of it. Because <laughs> Jesus took a donkey, he said, the Lord has need of it. And literally, he just walks up and there's a donkey and he says, tell them the Lord has need of it, and then take it. And so the disciples show up and say, hi, I like your sunglasses, the Lord has need of it, and take it and go. <laughs> And so, honestly, I love to, like, when we've been talking about church planning stuff or thinking about stuff, I just love to say, let's just go say the Lord has need of it and take it and leave. It's in the Bible. Jesus did it. But as I was reading this today, uh, I was struck with this very simple thought. He's talking here, and he says, say the Lord has need of it. But if you go up into verse 2, he says, Jesus is talking. He says, go into the village there, and then you'll see this and then say that. And here's my first point that I want to make out of this story to you. It's very simple and very, very churchy. And in fact, we heard, a, we heard a preacher a long time ago say this, that you will always hear pastors say this. You will always hear people say this, but it's true. And here's my first point for you this morning. God always has a plan. And as I was thinking about this, see, I, I don't think it was some random uh, cult snatching where Jesus said, go in there and just take their donkey, whether they say you can have it or not. Just say the Lord has need it, take the donkey and go. I think that God had a plan because Jesus said, here's what I want you to do, boys. I want you to go into this city, and when you go there, you're going to find a donkey waiting there that has never been ridden, and I want you to grab that donkey. If anybody says anything to you, I want you to say this, God has a plan. So as you look in the Word of God, do you know that if you look in the Old Testament, there is more than 300 prophecies about Jesus coming in the New Testament and doing the work that he did that Jesus fulfilled? Do you know that when Jesus, or when God began to work, that that God started by sending an angel to talk to Mary and say, hey, here's my plan, here's how you fit into it. Did you know that then he went, sent an angel to go talk to Mary's um, 
fiance, Joseph, because this is a whole crazy scenario. And he goes over and talks to Joseph and says, hey, just so you know, I've got a plan. And this is what it looks like. And you're involved and your fiance's involved. So don't worry about it. But this is my plan that I want you to work in. Do you know that as Jesus was growing up, that he had a plan that involved John the Baptist that went before Jesus to prepare the way? God has a plan. It's not just some random passage of scripture where Jesus said, hey, you know what? Go wander around until you find me something to ride on. It, guys, you've got six hours. Find me a vehicle. Find me a mode of transportation so that I can go into town. Jesus had a plan. And let me tell you this. If God had a plan for that, don't you imagine that God has a plan for you? If there was so many prophecies about Jesus and who he is and what he was going to do, and if when, when God prepared beforehand, he went and talked to Mary, and he went and talked to Joseph, and then he brought John the Baptist in the way and said, this is what your job is, this is how you're going to fit into the story, I'm preparing the way, don't you think that the Lord thinks about you as well? That God has some plans that involve you in your life? That God has some things that he wants you to do? That you're not just here by accident? That you're not here because your two parents had sex and you showed up? That you are ordained and you are appointed for such a time as this? You're here not just taking up space, not just existing, not just making it through every day so that you can finally die and go to eternity. You're here to accomplish something. I want to tell you God has a plan. God has a plan. And here's this other thought that I was thinking. I was, I was looking at this this morning. Hey, hang on a second. Pause that thought for a second. Psalm 139, verse 16. In case you need some, like, does God really think about me? Does God really care about me? I hear you talking right now. I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but I'm not sure if I believe you. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Okay, all right. Isaiah 49, 16, this is the Lord speaking, and he says this, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Those are some big hands. Well, hang, on, hang on a second. I don't think you grasp that, Johnny. Because the Lord is in heaven with Johnny inscribed on his hands. So that when he looks at his hands and he says, oh, Cadence, I'm thinking about you right now. I love you so much. I care about you so much that I wrote your name on the palm of my hand because I have plans for you. I have purposes for you. I have a destiny. You are called and chosen for such a time as this. Yes, the Lord has a plan, Chase, that involves you. He's written your name on the hand of his self. Chase Addison Charles Short right there. That's your name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Next thought I had was this. He says, go into the village over there. He's got a plan. He's got something he's trying to accomplish. He's got something he's trying to do. Then he said this. Say, the Lord has need of it. And as I was getting ready for church this morning, and as I was standing in worship this morning, and as I'm standing here right now, the Lord is saying to some of you, I have need of you. 
Let me say it better. He says to all of you, I have need of you. But there are some of us here this morning that don't believe that, that you need to hear this morning that the Lord is saying and calling to you, I have need of you. There are things that I have placed on the inside of you that I have need of. You're not an accident. It's not a mistake. The Lord has sent out a team working before you to prepare things, to prepare the way. And he says, I have need of you, Marco. Stand up and be who I've called you to be. Step into all that I've called you to step into. I have need of you. And some of you this morning need to hear that the Lord has need of you. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. And you know what I love here? Is this story, Jesus finds a colt. A colt was a donkey that had never been written. And it goes on. We'll read about this in a second. This, this donkey had never been tried. It had never been tested. It was a baby. And this is what Jesus rides into Jerusalem on. And some of you are sitting here saying, I've never been tried or tested. I'm too young. I'm not experienced enough. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what to step into. But God is saying, I have need of you. And it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. I have forgiven those things. I believe in you. I created you. I destined you. So I have need of you. So get on up and let me help you. Let's do this together. Okay. Oh, why? I'm going to keep going. We're going to go together. You ready? If anybody asks you what you're doing in verse 3, just say the Lord needs them, and he'll immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting. So Jesus is riding on a colt. He's coming into town now. People are everywhere, and they're shouting and cheering. What are they shouting and cheering? They are shouting this. In the next verse, it says, uh, in my translation, New, New Living, it says, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heavens. The actual word there is Hosanna. They were shouting Hosanna, Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means to save now. Save us now. Save us now. And they're saying, save us now. Son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city in verse 10 of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Back up in verse 5. I want to talk about this for just a second. Jesus is riding in on a colt. And here's, here's the significance of a colt. Back in, back in Bible times, back in these Middle Eastern times, a king would come in, and if a king was riding a horse, it was a sign of war. And if a king rode on a colt or a donkey, it was a sign of peace. So Jesus is riding a donkey or a colt coming into Jerusalem, and it's a sign of peace. And it goes on here, and it references um, 
this, this passage, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming. He's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is a prophecy uh, that Jesus fulfilled in Zechariah 9.9. But also, in Isaiah 9, I want you to look at this with me. Hold your place in Matthew and go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to read this for just a moment because I want to show you something. Isaiah chapter 9. And in verse 2 is where we're going to start. And we're going to read to um, verse 7. The people will walk in darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That light is Jesus. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform's bloodstained by war will all be burnt. They will be fuel for the fire. Verse 6, for a child is born to us and a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. This is talking about Jesus, okay? This is talking about Jesus and you need to know this. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. His government and its peace will never end. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus rode into Jerusalem, getting ready to lay his life down on the cross to to usher in a kingdom and a dominion of peace. I don't want to tell you this today, that he is the Prince of Peace, and if you're not experiencing peace in your life, it's because you must not be living in his kingdom. If you can look around in your life and see turmoil and see that people are distraught and you have stress everywhere. Now, listen, we all have times we have to walk through things, but I'm talking about if you find yourself living in a place of turmoil and distress and you can't get no peace no matter what you do, then you need to take stock and look and see if you have moved out of the kingdom of God and you moved into a new neighborhood because he is the prince of peace. It means, it says here in Isaiah that we just read that his government will never end and it will be ruled and reigning in peace. So if you want peace in your life, you need to make sure that you are living in the kingdom of God. Well, how do you live in the kingdom of God? I can see you all staring at me saying, that's an interesting thought. How do I live there? You live in the kingdom of God by submitting your life to Jesus by saying, having your kingdom come and your will be done in and through me. I submit my life to you. I surrender my life to you, and I want to do the things that you want me to do. I want to be the person that you've called me to be. He is the Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Never end. How great is that? That you have a kingdom that you can live in, that you can dwell in, that you can park your life in, and that peace will never end. Yes, you're going to have to go through things. Jesus said, in this world you'll have troubles. Be of good cheer, because why? 
Are you sure? It says, be of, good, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And when he overcame the world, what did he do? Well, right here it says, he brought in his government and its peace will never end. So you don't have to live in those places of turmoil and fear and anxiety and stress. You don't have to live in those places. You can live in the kingdom of peace with the prince of peace. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 21. I'm almost done here. So let's go to verse, let's start again in verse 9. Jesus is at the center of the procession, and all the people around him are shouting. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now, save us now. Now, just historically, some of these people believed that Jesus was coming and he was going to start an uprising against the Roman occupation. So a lot of these people thought that when Jesus came, he was going to be a king that was going to like deliver them from Rome with war, with fighting, with violence. So some of these people are shouting, save now, save now, save now. But they're not understanding who God really is. They're not understanding who Jesus the Messiah is. And I just had this thought that maybe many of us are calling out to Jesus to do a work in our life that he's not here to do. We're wanting Jesus to work in our life a way that we see best, the way that we see through when Jesus came to work in a whole other way. Maybe we need to begin to call out to Jesus to have, you know, we pray all the time, your kingdom come and your will be done. But a lot of times we forget that we pray that, and then we say, God, I want you to work in my life this way. This is how I think you should work. Now, I know you're God, and I know you can do anything, but just my humble opinion, I think you should work like this. I, if I was you, this is how I'd work in my life. You, you can do whatever you want, but if I was you, this is what I would do. Jesus came in riding on a donkey, sign of peace. He is the prince of peace. He came to establish a government of peace that would never end. And these people are shouting, save now. What am, what am I saying? I'm saying this. You need to align yourself with the Lord and with his ways. We, all, all, during, all during COVID and all during the pandemic, one of the things that we kept saying was get on God's side. And so often in life, we try and get God on our side. But we need to live on the Lord's side. And if you're shouting, save now, save now, save now, God, save us now, God, save me, God, work in my life, God, work in my circumstances, God, work in my marriage, God, work in my body, God, work in my finances, God, I need you, I need you to save me, God, work, God, work, God, work. If you really are shouting that out, if you really are crying, the Bible says here that they were shouting, Jesus was surrounded by his people, and they're all shouting and cheering, and they're all saying, save us, save us, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting these things. If you really are saying those things, then I say to you today, say them in faith. Say them with the way that God wants them to be done. Don't, don't put your ideas on the Lord. Don't put your ways. Don't try and harness God. Let's just say it that way. Don't put your cloak on God. Don't restrain God with your ideas and your thoughts. Let God be God and you be you. You know what I'm saying? So it... They're cheering this. Praise God. Hosanna. Son of David. Verse 10 says this. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. And as he entered, who is this, they asked. 
All these people, all these people that have gathered in Jerusalem, we read in John why these people were here. These people were here because the Passover was coming up. These people are here because they had heard about Jesus. These people are here because they had heard about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So all these people have gathered. And they're all wondering what is going on. And the translation here says, the New Living says, that these people were in an uproar as he entered. The New King James says that they were all moved. The city was moved. The Passion Translation says this, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. Verse 11 says, the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Listen, I love this verse. I love the picture. When Jesus enters the room, when Jesus enters a place, things go crazy. The city becomes an uproar. People are like, what is happening? Who is this person? Why are people cheering? When Jesus shows up in your life, people should look at your life and say, what is happening? What is happening in your family? What is happening in your relationship? What is happening in your church? What is happening in your city? There are things going on. There's people everywhere. People are getting healed. People are getting set free. Lives are being changed and transformed. And it causes people to ask, what's going on? When Jesus shows up, there is an uproar. When Jesus shows up in your life, when the Spirit of God is working in your life, people should look at you and say, what's going on? What's happening in you? You're different. Something's different. Something's changed. Jesus brings change. Jesus brings transformation. Jesus brings restoration. Jesus brings healing to the sick. Jesus brings life to the dead. Jesus brings the broken things back to life. And it says here, the city was in an uproar, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus of Nazareth. So we see in this passage of Jesus coming, getting ready to lay his life down on the cross in what we call Palm Sunday, we see that there is a plan that God has. And that plan involves Jesus coming and bringing a kingdom of peace so that people's lives are transformed and changed. And they can look and see Marco's life has been transformed, has been revolutionized, has been changed by Jesus. i got to know what's going on. And so people see this change and they come and say, what's going on? And then you see the response, the Bible says, in verse 11 that all the people replied it's Jesus it's Jesus it's Jesus so when things are going on in your life when things are changing and transforming people should look at you and say what's happening Cheryl what's happening in your life you're so happy you're so full of joy you're so full of life I see restoration taking place I see things going on in your family what's happening the response then is Jesus is happening We're not called to live lives uh, of quiet Christians. You're not called to look like everybody else. In fact, you're called to look completely different. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be molded and shaped and look like the world. You're supposed to look different than the world. There's something supposed to be different about you so that when people see you, they want to know what's going on inside. Listen, I want to tell you this this morning. You should have people in an uproar about Jesus all around you. 
There should be things happening inside of you that people are saying, what's going on, man? Like, what is happening in your life? I don't know. I, 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 like, I've known you a long time, Cherokee. I've known you. Like, we grew up together, and we used to play dolls together and drink. Not me and you. Like, just like a, a person, somebody else. Because we didn't play dolls together. We didn't drink tea. And we're, we're not the same age. Like, you're way older than me. Like, you're so, you're so much older than me. And, and like, we, just, we like, we did all these things together, but like, Cherokee, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but there's been a change in you, and I see, I see peace in you, and I see wholeness in you, and I see life in you, and I see healing in you, and I see this thing going on inside of you, and I want to know what it is. What's going on? What's changed about you? What's different about you? And then the response is, Jesus, people should see something happening on the inside of you that causes them to get into a commotion, that causes them to to get all worked up, be like, I gotta know, I gotta ask some questions, I gotta find out what's happening here, I need to find out more about this, because whatever's going on, I need in my life. Millie agrees. Stand up with me. God's got a plan. God's got a plan, and it involves all of us. There's, there's nobody here, there's nobody here that, that was just an accident. I mean, sure, maybe you were an accident in your parents' eyes. But you are not ever an accident in the Lord's eyes. Never. Never. You didn't catch the Lord by surprise. Oh my gosh, how did this person get here? They're not written on the palm of my hand. Where's my pen at? I gotta write this person's name down. How did Gary make it here? I wasn't planning on Gary to show up. What the, what am I gonna do now? You never caught the Lord by surprise. Psalm 139 says it, that every day of your life was written out before, before you even born. God's got a plan. It involves bringing a government and a kingdom to earth, made accessible for everybody so that Jesus can come and bring salvation to everybody. When I say salvation, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eternal salvation, but I'm talking about salvation from all those things in life that you deal with, all those things from life that you need saving from that are trying to overtake you. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we live in a world where things are happening all the time that are trying to take us down, but we need saving, we need salvation, and Jesus came and did that for us. Amen? So when you're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, because I know we all walk around shouting Hosanna. It's just a common phrase we use nowadays. Maybe you don't say Hosanna, but maybe you say, oh Lord, I need some help right now. I need some saving right now. Things are looking really bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's happening, but I need somebody to save me. God, I need you to save me. When you are shouting out, save me, Save me from this thing. Save me from what's happening. He's made a way through Jesus Christ for that to happen. That's the salvation we're talking about. Let's pray together.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.